Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the GoBundance podcast. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm your host for today. And today is a special episode because we have one of our elders in, uh, in the room today, Mike McCarthy. Mike is a real estate investor. Mike has owns private businesses. He's got a deep, deep history with real estate that we're going to cover, but also has a really, really foundational philosophy around family and values. And, and he and his wife have done so much to contribute to the GoBundance community around those areas, around family, around you know the experience of the wives of GoBundance members and so on that we'll dive into. But so happy to have you here. Welcome, Mike McCarthy. Thanks. I'm excited for, to be here. Yeah, for sure. So let's start with, for those that don't know you that well, your backstory, kind of where, where you're from all the way up through now, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive in a little deeper. Yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in Colorado, only child and uh, moved out to Pennsylvania right after college uh, to start developing franchises for Keller Williams Realty. Uh, my dad was uh, one of the pioneers within Keller Williams and launched a lot of the Colorado offices uh, before he purchased the greater Pennsylvania region. Um, I joined with him as his assistant, and there was about six offices, maybe 600 agents, and learned the ropes of how to sell and launch Keller Williams franchises. When I was 24, 25, I took over as the regional director. Uh, I'd learned a thing or two about selling franchises. I think I probably, I, I thought I knew more than I did, but I knew just enough to have confidence to say, you know what, I, I can do this. Um, and my dad sort of handed over the reins, so to speak, and let me run with it, which was a huge blessing. Um, I'm sure he was cringing at some of my decisions, but yet he still let me kind of become my own leader and lay in, lay in my own bed, so to speak, with whatever decisions I made. So that was a real blessing. Um, I think at that time, he was probably ready to to start slowing down as well. So it was a good match and uh, really blessed to have been in business with my father. It was always his dream to own a business with, uh, with his sons, unfortunately, or fortunately for me, we only had, uh, he only had one son. So 
it's been a beautiful journey. And I got connected with David Osborne through my father, actually. He said, you know, there's another young punk in this company that's done really well. I think you'd probably relate to David more than you do to me. And I think he'd be a, a great influence on you. And um, that's when I first met David Osborne. And actually, I remember the very first time that I hung out with David. Uh, we had picked him up from the airport in a limo and he had to go by the ATM. So we went through the ATM and uh, he crumbled up the receipt from the ATM and said, check this out. And he threw it to me. And I looked at the balance on his checking account and it was like 400 grand. And I was like, holy shit. And, you know, the rest is history. David became a, a wonderful mentor for me. I saw that he was not only successful in business, but he knew how to have fun. And he really was the perfect mentor for me because he had also taken over the region from his mother and done really well. And, you know, we, we just hit it off right away. And he became my really lifelong mentor. I guess now he's more like an older brother to me and a close friend. But, you know, that was a, a beautiful connection that was made from my father to David. And, you know, obviously, I was then mentored by David, Pat and Tim on some early trips before we were even called Go Abundance. Um, those guys used to get together as the three amigos and do trips and they would let me tag along. And here I am still tagging along. <laughs> <laughs> and with the uh, elder title to boot, which is really cool. Now, why Pennsylvania? I'm curious, was it just that that was a market that popped up and he bid on it? Or was it specific to that state for any reason? Yeah, that was what was available at the time. In fact, at one point, we owned all of Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, all of New Jersey, Delaware, and New York. And we subsequently later on sold off uh, part of New Jersey and New York. And then we sold off part of Eastern Ohio. And then we kept, we kept the region we have now, which is Southern New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. And we, we did over $20 billion in, in real estate last year. We've got uh, 50 offices and we just cracked uh, this month 10,000 agents. So that was a big milestone. That's amazing. Congratulations. What was, how do I put this? Was it with your own sort of of your own volition that you made this move looking back at the, you know, you were a kid or was it like, hey, dad expects me to go, I'm going to go. I mean, it ended up well either way, but I'm curious at that point, was it like, yeah, this is absolutely what I want to do, or is it kind of dad's dream that I'm fulfilling? You know, it's probably a little bit of both. There wasn't pressure for me to move out to Philly. I actually said, you know what, rather than traveling with my father out here and staying in hotel rooms for two weeks out of the month and then traveling back, I'm like, why don't I just move out here and get serious about this? And part of that was that I was in charge of mapping out all of the territories. So I used to, this is before like electronic maps and stuff, just to give you an idea. And uh, I would get these county maps and I would map out zip codes and create the territories that would, that would house one single Keller Williams franchise. And so after I started mapping them out, it became really clear to me that this was a huge opportunity. And I remember crunching numbers, including what we might make if we ever got to like 5,000 or 7,000 or 10,000 agents. And my mind was just blown. I was like, this is an incredible opportunity. So 
my dad didn't really tell me that it was that big of an opportunity. I sort of discovered that crunching numbers and looking at it myself. And actually, at the time, we had a partner in the region. And that partner owned the Colorado region with us as well. And I asked my dad if we could just buy him out of and own all of Pennsylvania and let him have Colorado at the time. And uh, my dad actually was like, that's kind of a dumb idea. You're just a punk kid. What do you know? And I was like, look, we're going to have just as many franchises in Pennsylvania by next year. And right now we only have six or seven, but we could probably sell 10 next year. And then we could do 10 more the following, 10 more the following. Do you want to own a region that has 40 offices or do you want to own Colorado, which is only going to have 15, 20 max? And um, he said, you know, let me, I don't really want to, but let me go talk to my business partner. And when he went to talk to his business partner, his business partner kind of pulled a, a big time on him and said, you know, you're not shit without me. You know, how could you even think about not being our partner? You know, I helped, I, I, I laid this out for you. And my dad was like, you know what, that's all I needed to hear to know that I don't want to be your partner anymore. So we got out of business with him. The next year I sold 10 franchises. So we had just as many offices as Colorado. And then for the next three years, that partner had to pay us out for that. Because at the time of the sale, Colorado was worth more than Pennsylvania. But within the next two years, we were crushing their numbers and have never looked back since. In most categories, we're in the top three, four or five uh, regions uh, within Keller Williams out of 30 regions. So tremendous opportunity. I'm so grateful to have really grown up within the Keller Williams system, watching it, seeing how Gary uses models and systems and then starting to apply those not only to how I approach business, but also every aspect of my life. Makes sense. What are some lessons from your father uh, in, in the time that you worked? It sounds like as his assistant and then moved up to regional director. What are some, what are, I don't know, two, three maybe takeaways that you got from him as a businessman, as a, as a business owner, as a leader that maybe you apply today or, or that you know, are still present in your life? Just a couple lessons maybe you took from him on the positive side. You know, I think it's all about vision. You know, I think my dad had a vision when he was young that he would become a millionaire. And, uh, you know, ultimately he would have gotten there either way, sort of saving his way and doing decent investing. But it was really Keller Williams having equity opportunities that catapulted both of our net worths. And so I think, you know, having the vision to look at his life as he grew up, he grew up fairly poor. Um, his, his father was a blue collar factory worker until he got a lucky break. He stopped to help a guy change a tire on the side of the road in a rainstorm. This is my grandfather. And the guy said, you know, you're really good with people. I appreciate that you stopped. You know, have you ever thought of selling insurance? And my grandfather was like, no, I'm a blue collar factory worker. I'd never even crossed my mind. And he said, well, why don't you go work this dairy truck route? for a whole year, I'm going to set you up with the job. And if you do successful work within that role, then I'll give you a job selling insurance. And my dad got to be witness to this hmm. and watch my grandfather go from blue collar to white collar. And that's when he made the decision like, hey, if my father can do that, then I can someday own my own business and become a millionaire. So I think just having that vision, but then also being willing to 
to back it up with hard work. You know, if you do the things that other people aren't willing to do, and if you believe in yourself in a way that, that no one else can or will, you know, great things happen. And I think success is not really that complicated. I think it's just about getting up every day and doing the work. I think a lot of people get up every day and they do work, but they don't do the work. And I think when we sit, when I say that, what I mean with the work is you got to do dollar productive activities. Like my dad was so efficient. Um, I recently was talking with my mom and she's like, She's like, do you remember what it was like to grow up with your dad? Like every minute was scheduled. And if anything got off, off timing, he was upset and trying to get everything back on track. But he's so efficient with his time. He doesn't waste it. He doesn't allow other people to waste it. And uh, I just got to see that growing up. And, you know, I've also had to have some therapy for some of those lessons, too, as a, you know, as a kid, I'm only child and I'm his one project, right? His one, one son. And uh, so a lot of pressure was put on me. And, you know, I've handled a lot of that really well. And I've not handled a lot of it really well, too. But in the end, it's all helped me to grow and become the leader and person that I am today. So I'm always grateful for everything that he's given me the great lessons of what to do, and sometimes maybe what not to do. Well, you segued into my next question and, and maybe you can maybe hit on a specific or two, whether it's in your upbringing or in business, either way. But is there a mistake or two that stands out that your father made or what you perceive to be a mistake or a way of being that, again, is a lesson to you today, something specific that you carry with you today? I won't do that. Maybe it's prop propelled your success. Well, I mean, for me, it's that I'm always going to be with my kids more than any other project with, you know, he, he was always working, which was great. And, uh, you know, a lot of his focus when he wasn't at work and rightfully so, you know, this was kind of the, the, the times that we were in is, you know, my mom and dad were pretty focused on their, their social lives and they both worked full time. And so I didn't really get as much time with them as I would have liked. And so I think the biggest you know, mistake that any entrepreneur can make is, is saying that, hey, I'm doing the work for the family, when really the family, all they want is to spend time with you. And so we can't do that all the time. Um, certainly, most entrepreneurs probably don't have the freedom that I do. So my kids get a lot of me. But you know, in my dad's day, he had to work and he had to do his thing. But you can always carve out that little bit of time each day, each week, each month to really have quality time with, with the kids. And so, you know, when my kids ask me if I can play, even though in my body, sometimes I'm like, no, I don't want to play. That's, you know, I want to do something else that I want to do. Don't but I usually catch myself and I say, you know, let me be the parent for my kids that, that I didn't get to have. And that's not any knock on my upbringing or my parents because they did what they had to do and we wouldn't be here otherwise and you know i might not have been so ambitious if i had gotten all the attention that i wanted right yeah what's up everybody this is pat hyben and tim road uh, founders of GoBundance, and we wanted to give you a quick sneak peek of our august event coming up in steamboat colorado 
Yeah, we've gotten a lot of uh, feedback that you'd love to see us kind of go back to the old ways. Want to see us do the one sheets, want to see go talks, more connecting at the event. So we're committed this year and we promise, number one, all four elders are going to be there. Number two, it's going to be 50% on stage, 50% off stage, which means, you know, 50% of the time at least is going to be spent interacting with all the other members. And some of the cool things that we got going for you on stage is, of course, as usual, we're going to do the bull versus bear. And we really, really put our heads together and said, what is something that's debatable? And that one thing is retail. So we are going to bull versus bear on the asset class retail real estate. Is that going to bomb or should you be buying into that? That's number one. We're going to be doing the ever popular 728 program with Aaron West, Daniel Del Real. We're going to have David Osborne leading three businesses through the gauntlet. The gauntlet. And if you haven't seen the last gauntlet, the gauntlet is basically it's a shark tank. David's going to run the shark tank. He's going to be like the three shark tank judges all in one. Actually, what he's going to be is he's going to be like the, the, lead, the interactive guy. And then the audience is going to be like the judges. So the three Shark Tank people will come and present at the gauntlet. Then they'll go into a soundproof booth. And everybody will rip them to shreds in the audience. So it'll be really, really cool and very engaging as to um, how people pick apart investments. And, of course, they're real investments, so afterwards, if you want to throw some money down on it, you can too. And then during the day, of course, we'll be getting the goods in the woods. We have all sorts of fun things lined up for you. Plenty of options to play hard, to uh, play light. However you play, there will be a way for you to get it. Yep, and something we're going to do that's, that we haven't done before, we're going to have a very organized golf tournament going to be a GoPod golf tournament or if your GoPod is not there then you can just pick a random foursome. We're also going to have an ultimate frisbee GoPod challenge. So in your GoPod you're going to go against other GoPods in a game of ultimate frisbee and we're going to bracket it. We're going to have a huge prize at the end for the winner. So here's the deal. Sign up. Come to Steamboat in August. Here's all the information on the screen. We look forward to seeing you there. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. It's funny, uh, Ben Hardy, I remember him speaking to us a year ago or so in GoBundance, and he had mentioned uh, a, a situation where his kid was in the pool, wanted him to come in the pool. And uh, I think his point was like, I didn't want to go in the pool, but then he had this thought of, what do I want to, how do I want to remember this moment? And he's like, obviously get up and go in the pool. And it was like, no kidding. Within an hour, that exact same situation had presented itself prior to that for me. My kid wanted me to come into the pool. I didn't want to get in the pool and I didn't. And I, you know, I just didn't make that mistake the next time. So uh, it is it is neat to see. You talk about freedom uh, that you have maybe that a lot of entrepreneurs don't. Was that intentional? Have you built freedom into your life or, or is there something that you did looking back that, oh, wow, I didn't realize it, but I created this freedom by doing X. Like, How did you create freedom as an entrepreneur? Well, I mean, a lot of it is how the Keller Williams system is set up because you know there's there's leverage and there's specific roles 
that people need to fill. And if you fill those roles at a high level, then that creates freedom for you at, at different levels. And so, you know, it was strategic. You know, there's, there's probably a lot of uh, guys who maybe wouldn't, wouldn't have given up the regional director title so quickly. You know, I, I stayed in the role for probably 10 years and then worked out a deal with my dad where I could move into the regional owner position. And I just knew in my heart that there were better qualified and even hungrier people that should be in those roles. And so instead of letting my ego occupy some role within the company, I just said, you know, what's more important is that I, I continue to create opportunity for others, get in business with the right people, and then free myself up to do things that maybe were of my own volition, right? Because you mentioned earlier, like, was this something that you, you wanted or did dad push you? I mean, yeah, I wanted to make my dad proud. I wanted to make millions of dollars, but real estate wasn't setting me on fire necessarily. I've learned to love it more and more as I've become an investor and found ways to, you know, source the right deals and invest with the right people. So I love that side of it, but it was never, you know, if I had just said in my life, what do I want to do? It might not have been real estate. And so there was always this idea that if I did it all right, then I would be able to free myself up. And, and that's been true. And certainly the last year I've had to buckle down and, and get more involved with the team. But the reality is, is that my team that leads the greater Pennsylvania region is just amazing. I mean, the, the, main, the main person on the team who's been with my dad and I for over 30 years, her name is Paula. She's the operations manager. She's our CFO for the McCarthy family. And, uh, you know, I used to call her when I was 10 years old because she was my dad's assistant and tell her where I was going to ride my bike. And then I'd ride my bike there and have to call her and tell her that I arrived safely. And so, you know, this is now a woman who has served our family and created amazing opportunities for herself, but for over 30 years. So you get in business with some people like that and you give them an opportunity the, the, the outcome that comes back to you is freedom. You get more and more freedom if you give up those opportunities and those, uh, you find those people that really thrive in those opportunities. You know, my two executives that lead the region, Ms. Michelle McBride and John Clyde, it, it'd be really tough to find harder workers anywhere in the world than those two. And they're both super talented they love their families. They're aligned with our values. Like I could, you know, these are people that I want to, to make sure they win in life now because they've freed me up to do a lot of really awesome things that really are a little bit more in my passion area than, than launching brokerages was. Makes sense. Okay. You talked about dollar productive activities, the work, as you put it. It's something I struggle with, and I'm sure many do. And it's a it maybe you know me. I've just left my W two. I'm kind of you know feeling my way into the the self employed slash entrepreneurial full time world. Dollar productive activities can be very obvious, and they can be very not obvious. Right? Dollar productive activity is on a, a call or at a meeting that could lead to a deal or whatever, a commission. Who knows what it is? Right? That's dollar productive. Dollar productive activity is not probably, you know, thumbing through Facebook looking for, you know, what's my high school sweetheart doing, right? Like, you know, that, that's probably not a dollar productive activity. 
But there's a lot of stuff in the middle. And I wanted to get your take on this. Like, you know, when somebody wants to connect, have a call with you, may not be in the moment dollar productive, but does that relationship lead to something? I guess, how do you determine or how have you determined? Maybe what did your dad do to determine? I don't know. What was and what wasn't a dollar productive activity? Or was it just a very binary decision? Like any call that doesn't lead to immediate, you know, potential dividends is a non-dollar productive activity activity. <laughs> or or was it a little bit more gray than that? Or maybe for you, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 reality is in real estate, it's very clear what's dollar productive and what's not. You know, prospecting is your most dollar productive activity, you know, as well as you know, going on an appointment to 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 list a house or to show houses to buyers, those are very dollar productive. You know, some of the things people might miss is that building the team is dollar productive, you know, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a lot of pride and and maybe a little bit of ego mixed in where they're like, it's all up to me. I'm going to put it on my shoulders. And, you know, what separates somebody who's the best of the best and, and somebody who is doing pretty well is whether or not they're willing to get out of their own way and spend that time actually finding people that can do things better than them. And you've got to admit to yourself that in the whole world of people, there are people that can do things better than you can. And sometimes for entrepreneurs, that's a tough, tough pill to swallow, right? Their, their ego is somewhat wrapped up in the fact that nobody does it as good as I do. I'm the best at this. You know what, though? Every person who's ever said that has been wrong about it because there's always somebody that can do it better. And if there's not, just wait until somebody does the training and, you know, gets to the place. Because even if you're the best at what you do right now, you're not going to stay there forever. Every person that's ever been number one at anything uh, eventually succumbs to the next number one, right? And so I think we just have to get out of our own way and build the team that can support us no matter where we're at. And, you know, even in, in my life, just watching my dad, you know, he, he probably wasn't as good at leveraging as, as I was. And I think that's something I probably learned watching him was like, man, he's really good at doing everything and does everything. And, you know, I've really learned that I would rather find the people that can do the things too. And I mentioned that earlier, so I don't want to kind of go back over that same thing. But yeah, the dollar productive activities are going to be your lead gen, you know, getting a sale together, and then, you know, what helps you build your team. And I think you just have to know what are the, what's the 20% of your activities that lead to 80% of your results, the old Pareto's principle, because a lot of times we do a lot of busy work and that's just something that I don't have a high tolerance for is just busy work. I'm, I'm trying to get after something that's going to create a result and it might not be, it doesn't have to be a monetary result either. It could just be that connecting with people is important to me. So when somebody wants to connect, I'm willing to free that time up, but the busier you are with the work, the less you have that luxury of spending the time where you want to because you're connected or your heart calls you to it. So I think you just have to figure out what your 20% is for your professional life and then figure out what the 20% is for your personal life. And then you continually have 
to say no to things so that you can say yes to the things that matter most. That makes sense. That's a great answer. And I appreciate you going into that. I want to pivot to family uh, in a moment. You mentioned your kids and I want to ask about, you know, where did Lindsay come into play here? But before we do, you mentioned a name, a fairly prominent name in Gary Keller. I'm curious, do you have a direct, indirect relationship with him? What kind of proximity have you had or do you have to him? Yeah, you know, right before COVID, when I was traveling a lot, I bumped into Gary like two or three times in, in airport settings, one of which was him sitting behind me on a flight. And, uh, and, and it was like, I just turned, chatted with him. You know, we have a, a great relationship, but it's not somebody that we're personal with. Like, you know, and he's so focused on his goals and his outcomes that I don't know that that's, you know, that he has a lot of space for that anyways. But he invited me down to his office because we had ran into each other a couple times. And then I went down and sat with him in his office and, you know, we just got to chat for a lunch and hang out. And that was, you know, that was in 2019 and that, you know, that was the closest in proximity and into his sort of world that I get because mainly we're dealing with his executives I mean, Gary is on all of the regional director calls, which I attend now. So I get to hear from him and hear him talking to an audience, but I'm not like getting personally mentored by him. I think David got to have a lot more interaction with, interaction with him early on because, you know, in the early days of Keller Williams, you know, there weren't that many people. And so, you know, David was able to get a little more mentoring from him it, early on than I was, but I'm mentored through his company and his systems and so much more. And he gave me some great advice when I was in his office too. He said, where you're at, investing is your business. Like you should hire an entire team that sources deals and helps you invest in the right deals, tracks and follows up with those deals. And uh, it's something I've actually been working on ever since I sat in his office. So I've gotten a couple executive assistants and gotten some new methods to sort of track investments. And it's still not anywhere where I want it to be, but the vision was planted from what he said to me. And it was kind of like, hey, don't do what everyone else does and treat this like it's not a business. You're investing at this level of you know millions of dollars to deploy every year. It's full on its own business, so treat it as such. And I thought that was just brilliant advice. That's yeah, that is incredible advice. I mean, regardless of real estate, whatever. I mean, he is one of the most successful human beings in the world. So a great guy to have any level of proximity to. I am surprised that he flies commercial. I'll be honest. When you said he was on the same flight as you, that's interesting to me. Well, what's funny is there were a lot of rumors that he he didn't even fly first class for many many years, and what, he even does fly Southwest quite a bit. Nope. But luckily, I, I, I was pleased that I was in first class. And so was he right behind me. So he's at least flying uh, first class. So and he's a he's kind of a practical guy when you start crunching the numbers on private flights and stuff. If you're if you're thinking in a practical way, it's probably not going to pencil out, you know, it's purely a luxury. And I don't think I don't think he is really flashy in that way. He's not, he's much more of a, a frugal guy that saves his money and makes sure he's, he's being a great steward with it. And I don't, I actually, I'm probably, I'm probably more in the David Osborne camp here. So I would probably, uh, when I get to a certain level, whether it pencils out or not, I'm, I'll probably be flying private. 
Makes sense. For now, you can just borrow borrow your buddy's plane if you need to. So that works yeah. out. Yeah, which still doesn't pencil out. <laughs> well, what I love about this is we start to talk about family next is, uh, you know, the lessons I take just myself, and I'm sure those that are listening from you, the level that you're at and what a success you've had is one, what I heard was implementation. You know, you, you hear from a Gary Keller, hire a team, and you've mentioned the phrase team multiple times, treat it like a business. You've mentioned that a lot before I asked you about Gary Keller. So you obviously implement the lessons that you learned from those that have had the success before you, which is really cool. And two is that you consider that a dollar productive activity where you're right. Most look at the hustle as the dollar productive activity. You know, the, I need to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that versus how do I build, cultivate and build a culture around the team that I need in place. So with the ventures I'm on, I learned a lot from you. So I wanted to just honor you on that and say that I appreciate uh, the lessons that you provided me. So with that, let's talk about Lindsay. Where did you meet Lindsay? Was she in Pennsylvania, Colorado? How did that all come to be? She was in Pennsylvania and she was, uh, she was on Easter weekend break. And so I met her the night before Easter and I was out at one of the bars in Westchester that I used to frequent as a, as a young lad. And the name of the bar was Kildare's. It's an Irish pub. So that's, I think that's where Irish guys go to meet, uh, meet women. And anyways, I actually just walked up to her and uh, her and her friends, her friend was drinking like a, a white Russian or something. And I was like, Oh, what's that? What are you drinking? That's weird. Is that a milkshake or something? And her friend just was like, get lost. She basically rolled her eyes and turned and looked away. And Lindsay being the sweetheart that she was, was like, Paige, don't be rude, you know, and went and, and started chatting with me. And then, you know, we chatted the whole night and, you know, I actually just started I just launched right into my Keller Williams career visioning questions the uh, like that we would do when we were when we were uh, interviewing someone for a position and got her whole life story and asked her about what she wanted in the future and her vision and you know she would tell the story that you know no one had ever really asked her questions like that before and we re- it was just really engaging for both of us I loved her answers and, you know, she was a division one field hockey player and she, she did really well in that. And I was just impressed with her. You know, it turned out that she went back to college, obviously after that weekend. And I actually didn't think about it until 30 days later, I got a call and she was on her way. (laughs) She was on her way back home and wanted to see if I wanted to hang out. I'm like, absolutely. Let's do it. I can't believe I forgot to call you or talk to you because you were at college. But anyways, uh, once we got together that night, we were pretty much inseparable. And, you know, she is, you know, an amazing force in my life. We've grown up together. You know, she married me really when I was overweight, kind of depressed. And I had kind of reached a point in my career where, I had become the regional director, sold all of these franchises. The region was doing great, and I still just felt empty inside. And Lindsay, I guess, saw enough of what I could become to still move forward in a relationship and and get married. And, you know, I'm proud that I've been able to, through a lot of her love and grace, become you know, much healthier and, and grow together with her and become, you know, a better man, a better, obviously become a father and become even uh, a better father because of 
her love and just who she is as a person. She's just an amazing uh, woman. And I, uh, I'm so blessed to have her as my wife. Sounds like she entered your life at the right time, which is incredible to hear. Serendipitous almost. What, yeah. what with, she's very active uh, with the Go Wives community. Uh, she leads the Go Wives community. I shouldn't even say she's active with it. She leads it. What, if you can give me a little bit of background there, and then I'd like to talk about fan abundance as well, because this is near and dear to your heart. But tell me about Go Wives, why she, I don't know, started it, is, is so in, involved in it. What does it mean to her uh, from your conversations with her? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, she's actually leaving tomorrow to go lead the wives trip, as you know, because you're all coming down to hang out. But, um, you know, she really started it because she saw, I think, all of us guys having a great time and growing together and really becoming best friends with one another. You know, that's one thing about Go Abundance is, you know, I feel like I've got hundreds of best friends because of it. And I think she saw that and she thought, you know, I'd like to meet some of these wives and really get to know them better. So she put together a, a wives trip. She's done two or three of them already. I think this one might be the third or fourth. And she kind of did it just because she wanted it to begin with. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, she put together a Facebook group, started inviting wives to that you know, started doing some other things like book clubs and other calls. And it's really just been awesome to watch her get to have some experience that's similar to what, what we do as, as Go Abundance guys. And it's different, you know, they're not extreme accountability and horizontal income and all these things. They're really about just getting together and supporting one another. Um, because no matter which wife you talk to, they probably have to deal with some crazy entrepreneurial maniac in us as, as, as go bros. So, you know, there's a common uh, theme in that. And so, yeah, Lindsay's just done a great job with it. And, you know, now there's other ladies in the group that are stepping up to help lead it and to take it to the next level. And Lindsay's done a great job of cultivating, you know, what we have so far. And now, you know, the go team and lots of other ladies will help carry it uh, forward into the future as well. Yeah, it's been, my wife has enjoyed it. Uh, my wife, Sylvia is going to Asheville, so she'll see Lindsay there. They've been in touch and um, it's it, actually within that, my wife and two other wives just on their own form their own little accountability group. So they're, they're leveraging one another in that regard, which is really cool. So it's a great it's a great, I, I've referenced it to people like, like, almost like army wives, to your point, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to compare, you know, go abundance of what we do to the military, obviously, but at the same time, there's a culture, there's a mindset, there's a way of being in say the military where the wives can kind of bond around that, that their husbands often are, are in that space. And I think it's to your point, the same thing, these, you know, manic downhill, like, you know, big dreaming driven dudes. Well, you know, it's it's nice for the wives to get together and say, "Oh, not just me. Good. At least I'm not the. I don't live with the only psycho in town. That's good to know." So yeah. it's been great for her. So I appreciate Lindsay and all she's done. What about Fambundance? How did that kind of start? And and what are you doing with Fambundance right now that you're excited about? Yeah, I mean, you know, Fambundance is is really uh, started out just, hey, how could we bring our families along for the journey? Uh, because, you know, just as Lindsay kind of wanted a piece of it, I started thinking, you know, what about my kids? Like how, how could go abundance benefit them in some way? 
And, you know, as I became the CEO, I, w- I ran the uh, organization from 2015 through the beginning of, or the end of 2018. Um, so about three years, there's three to four years where I was at the helm as the CEO. And, you know, the moment that I had gotten time freedom and had really moved into that regional uh, owner role that I mentioned before, I immediately filled it with being the CEO of GoBundance. So uh, if in case you're wondering if I also have an ego, <laughs> I think it was a little wrapped up in that. But, you know, I also wanted, to, I took the role because I wanted to make sure that GoBundance became everything that it could be so that it would also do for others into the future, maybe generations from now, what it had done for me. And I just realized that it, it needed me at the time. So I, I jumped in. But as soon as I did, I realized like, oh, shit, I just gave up a whole bunch of freedom. And probably who will suffer most from that are my kids. And so that just cemented their needing to be something within GoBundance that supported the family. And, you know, the more that I started to think about it and uncover that, I just started realizing like we're all building these legacies for our children, but you know, our legacy is only as good as the hands that we equip to carry it forward. And if we don't spend the time with them that is needed, and we don't show up in their lives in powerful ways with lots of, you know, quality time, how would they ever learn how to handle a legacy of that magnitude? Because they aren't going to learn it at school. They aren't going to necessarily learn it at home with dad, you know, distracted on his phone or not there at all because they're traveling. So how does one learn that? Well, you've got to get in proximity and be around it. So I wanted to bring the kids along for the journey. And so we had an event in my backyard with 13 families. That was the first Fambundance event. And it was awesome. We didn't know what we were doing. We realized that leading an event for all different ages and sizes and of kids was much more challenging. And we realized that it was something special that was worth putting time and energy into. So, you know, we started doing uh, an annual event in Philly off of that. We did four of those before we moved to Austin and COVID hit. So we haven't done one of those again, just because, you know, people are a little sensitive traveling, especially with families right now. Um, but we have kept up with our our events. So at the front end of the summer and winter events, we, we've had Fambundance events. Uh, we actually skipped last summer, but we just had this winter. We had, uh, you were there actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had everyone together and, you know, we've learned to find the facilitators like uh, Braden who can work with our kids and bring value. And uh, we had brother James come in and he works with the kids, although he's not traveling right now, but just having that event where families can come together and then work on becoming better families together. So it's not just we get together and there's face painting and balloons and, and ice cream. Like we get the families together and there are speakers like Nick Santanastasso or Charlie Engel, uh, Jeff Hoffman. You know, these are you know, incredibly successful people that we're exposing our children to. And then we're also working on things within fam abundance, like what are your family values? Okay, get out some poster boards and some post-it notes 
go through all of your favorite moments and strengths and stories of your family and then isolate in what are the values that you want to lift up within your family, get them defined, get them posted, and then talk about them every week. Um, we started doing a family meeting that we stick to for most weeks in my family. We miss some weeks, but it's a meeting where we talk about what the kids' goals are and what the family's goals are and what goals we're going to try to accomplish for the upcoming week. We also go over our values and talk about uh, our gratitude for one another, and we call out where we've been living those values uh, within the family. And so I think just, you know, defining values and having a, a meeting with your family. I mean, everyone has teams and they probably meet with them once a week. I think your home team is your most important team. And so where does that meeting come in? How do you get on the same page? How do you create a culture within the family? We all know how to do it in our businesses. Here's the little secret. It's exactly the same in the family. Use the same methods, same, same facilitation. You just have to deal with a little more whining and crying and distraction and stick with it. But if you do, you really are able to go into your family and mine and find the best of what your family can be and continually lift that up just like you would on any other team. And I really challenge any GoBundance member or anyone listening to this, listening to this right now is look at your schedule and ask yourselves, you know, what am I doing for my business that I don't do for my family? And how can you have some of that crossover? It doesn't mean you need to come in and be the CEO in your family. I'm a big believer that uh, the leaders who uh, equip and, and enable the voices of the collective to be heard are the most powerful leaders. So it's not coming in and being like, this is how we do it. This is what we're going to do. It's actually saying, hey, let's, let's get together as a family and decide what we should talk about every week. And, you know, a lot of parents say, oh, well, my kids are resistant to meetings or they're resistant to this or that. Well, do the takeaway close on them and say, all right, that's fine. We'll create your goals for you. We'll set all the family vacations. We'll set all the family goals and then we'll tell you what to do. Or you can come and collaborate with us as a family and have your voices heard. And I think children actually really appreciate when you listen to them and they get to give input that's heard. So just a couple of things about families and fan abundance that, that we're proud of doing. And uh, hopefully some of that's helpful to some of our GoBros and other listeners. It's been helpful to me. My kids are starting to kind of age into, uh, you know, I have a six, now almost six and almost three-year-old. And the older one, you know, we've had on a couple of calls here and there. He participated during COVID in a baking contest. I think it was for Pam Fundance, which was fun. Yeah. But just learning for me from what you've done and and uh, and the fan abundance community around things like education, you know, to the point where we were exposed to uh, like the Acton Academy type of type of principles, uh, and actually just enrolled them. It was you know get learn about it, take action. Right, we found one locally and we put him in this week. So he's in his second week at Acton, uh, which nice. really didn't know at the time, but aligns with what we want from an education uh, system for our kids. We weren't enamored, I guess you could say, with traditional education. We wanted something that was a bit more, I don't know, incentive-based, a bit more Socratic. So that's what, uh, that's what we've learned from Van from Bunsen, from what you've created, at least one thing that we've learned. Uh, and yeah, as they start to get older and, you know, you'll, you'll meet three psychos this weekend between me and my two sons. So good luck to you. But as they get older and, and start to, you know, be able to sit in one place for a bit, I, I look forward to them engaging a lot more on this. One last question before we go into kind of a, a lightning round of the one sheet. You mentioned about 
you became CEO because you wanted to further go abundance, help it fulfill its potential because of what it had done for you. I don't know if it's a word, a sentence, a couple of sentences, but what would you say the sum up is of what GoBundance has done for you? You know, it, it gave me um, people that supported and believed in me in a way that I'd never really had before. And I remember leaving some of the early GoBundance events and even just trips with the three amigos. And I would be back in my my elements back at work doing dollar productive activities. And I remember if a, if a doubt would creep in, I could hear these guys telling me that I was great, that I could do it, that I had what it takes. And so it was that belief in me. And that was when I was more green or young as an entrepreneur too. And I was really coming into my own, sort of coming out from under my father's shadow. And so that was just really important for me to have people that believed in me that weren't my father, you know, people that saw greatness in me that, that went beyond just, just my family ties. So that was really important and was a big part of it. And then, you know, just having access to uh, people that had also done it you know, that knew the formula that could help me take shortcuts, so to speak, or, or more efficient um, paths to success. And so just being able to model that and see it and then go, oh, that works. It works because I can see it working in someone else's life. And then being able to download whatever those strategies or ways of doing things were and then apply them in my own life. Together we go farther, as they say. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, let's dive into the one sheet, your your baseball card. So we're going to go pillar by pillar, starting with horizontal income. And again, I'll hit you quick with these because uh, I want to be respectful of your time, and then we'll we'll wrap it up with a with a card game question. But let's start with horizontal income. What currently is your yearly horizontal income, and how many lines is that? Yeah, so it was uh, four point six last year, which is about forty lines. And I'm at about 1.3 so far this year, which is, which is on track to do about the same. Yeah, maybe a little bit more, which is great. What, uh, what's your horizontal to net worth ratio, maybe for 2020 or currently? Um, horizontal to net worth was 29% for uh, 2020. That's kind of, we were talking before about that being kind of the year end, right? Right now it's sort of in in you know year to date as opposed to full year so that makes yeah sense. so far this year it's been 6.9 percent gotcha okay what percentage are you currently i am last year i finished at 271 percent or got it beautiful so doing all right for yourself which is great how much of that is real estate versus say private companies or other assets you know i've got about three million in in real estate and so out of 18-ish million in net worth. Okay. So the remainder is private companies, crypto, gold, everything else that you, you might be investing in. Yep. Have you dove into crypto? I'm curious. I got, I got 55,000 that started as like 40,000 40, or 35,000. So not much, just a little bit, enough to play the game. It's sure. like a... It's like a, a a football fantasy league for me or something, you know, like it's just, just fun to be in the game and watch it, but I haven't gone all in on it. 
hundred percent. No, I get it. There's some guys are like, you know, five, six, eight coins that they, ha- that they own already or whatever, but now that makes sense. You're, you're uh, dipping your toe in the water as they say. Okay. Let's switch over to health. How much do you weigh and what's your body fat percentage? I'm like 150 and usually 15, 16% body fat pretty how consistently. Long, how long have you been there? Cause you mentioned you had, you were overweight at one point. How long have you been kind of in this, in this sort of body shape, if you will? Yeah, uh, probably about four or five years. And then I was a different body shape prior to that. Four to five years ago, I became mostly vegetarian in my diet. So mostly plant-based. That dropped like 15 pounds. So I was like 160, 165 down to 150. And sometimes, you know, when I'm getting after it, sweating a lot, I'll, I'll get down to 140-ish. But, but prior to that, you know, when I was at my heaviest, I was uh, just under 200 pounds. So it was like a whole nother me was there. Yeah, no. Okay. And for context, you're what, about 5'8", five, 5'9"? Eight, five, Five eight, yeah. Five eight, yeah. I was gonna say, I think, I think we're about the same height from uh, from meeting in person. So that's a difference. That's a big difference. And even one forty, one fifty is a very healthy weight uh, at that height. I mean, that's you know, you're you're lean, I guess you could say, right? At at, a, at the very least. What's the diet look like today? So you were vegan, vegetarian uh, years ago. Today, maybe a little bit of a mix, or you know, I really am starting to focus on health. Like right now, one of my goals for the year is to get into the best shape of my life and. So I'm working on some different things. Like I'm now uh, drinking a smoothie every morning, which has got like 25 some ingredients. If you Google Hal Elrod's smoothie recipe, you'll see what I'm drinking every morning. And then I'm going to be hiring a trainer here soon because I'm realizing that as I get older, I'm losing some muscle mass and some strength. And uh, I really just want to dial that in. I usually have something mostly healthy with uh, lunch. And there's usually some French fries involved in, in lunch too, but I usually try to eat like a salad or something good, but I'm also a big lover of French fries. I think in my mind, I'm Irish. So potatoes make me healthier, but I'm probably wrong about that. And then I eat vegan meals for dinner. My wife, we order purple carrot, which they send you all the ingredients. And then my wife whips up a a vegan meal for almost almost all of our our dinners. Nice. What's the exercise regimen to to this point? You mentioned trainer for the future, but what have you been doing? I've been running like two to three miles, two to three times a week. Um, I'm a big runner. I was a cross country and distance runner in in in, in high school. Did pretty well with that. And uh, and then I do 15 minutes of yoga every single morning as part of my miracle morning, which has been great. And I used to do full yoga sessions like at a studio, but I've been doing the 15 minutes every morning and that's it ever since COVID. Makes sense. So 15 minutes a day and then two, three times a week, you just get out and do a run. It sounds like. Yep. And I I mean, I do like I, I got out on the slopes 59 times in January and February. So if you do the math, it was actually till mid-March. So do the math. I only missed a few days and they're not full days. But I'm out there for a good couple hours getting some snowboarding in. And then I, uh, I skateboard quite a bit with my son and do some other you know stuff like that. Anything that involves a board, we try to ride it. So. <laughs> Surfing, you name it. Like it. Let's switch to family and authentic relationships. We talked about Lindsay. Who, who, tell me a little bit about your kids. Where are, what age are they and what are they into right now? Tyler's 12. Uh, he's into Minecraft and... Uh, virtual reality, and then also anything with the board, skateboards, surfing, and and snowboarding. 
He's an excellent snowboarder. He's 12 now when he was 10. He was, and he hasn't done one recently, but he was doing monster front flips on big ass jumps, which gave me some, some heart palpitations, but I try to let him, let him go. He always says that I don't, that he's better than I think he is, or I should have more faith in him. And he's proven it too. I mean, he's able to, to do it. And he's a, he's a wicked skateboarder too. When he goes to the skate park, he just crushes it. And people are just like, Whoa. And he has long hair. So a lot of them are like that little girl can skate really well. And I'm like, nah, it's, he's a boy. And they're like, well, he's still crushing it for 12. So, (laughs) and your daughter, uh, she's eight and she's super artistic. She's really into anything, creative art, fashion, uh, those types of things. You know, I'm really trying to spend a lot of one-on-one time with the kids. So my daughter's go-to is to take her to the mall. And uh, that's how we spend some daddy-daughter time usually. And uh, yeah, she's just a sweetheart. And I'm, I'm more and more trying to find the things that she loves and, and do them with her because it's more natural for me to do the boys stuff usually. So, but yeah, they're both amazing kids and uh, they both go to Acton as, as you had mentioned that earlier, but yeah, we love it. The original Austin, right? I think that was the first act. And so what I'm well, they go to a, a Westlake, which is an offshoot of the, the original. So. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, how about your life happiness index? Where does that stand currently? And what's the lowest category that you would rank in that index? So my current life happiness index is the highest it's ever been. It's 8.18. Wow. And lowest is, oh, that's David's let's see uh lowest is like diet water and exercise and that's just where where i'd said i really want to get a trainer and get purposeful about my health so i'm really focusing in on that and the small french fry versus the super size right that's or just have french fries you know like once a day instead of you know twice a day no they I'm are kidding. good they are good they're, they're god's good. food i i believe in that holy I'm just training to be more Irish is all. There you go. I like it. Uh, How about from a contribution standpoint, what is your, you can either say your give back ratio, or if you want to talk about just what you contribute in time and money, you can state that as well. Yeah. So, you know, my give back ratio last year was, where is it? Uh, 8%. um, But most of that is a lot of hours contributed more so than money. Although this year, I think I've given away almost 30,000. So I've, I stepped up my financial contribution this year. So that should be uh, pretty good. And then I sit on a couple of uh, boards and uh, also everything that I've ever done for FamBundance has been really volunteer work. In fact, you know, a lot of people don't realize this and I don't say it to brag or anything, but you know, I've paid to go to those events because they're not easy to make money on. And I didn't, I didn't want to necessarily wrap in and increase the cost, which makes it then prohibitive sometimes for families to go. So in the interest of keeping the expenses really low, I've really donated a ton, ton of time and money uh, towards the cause of, of fan abundance. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. And yeah, I appreciate that because I know how much it means to you and to a lot of the guys. So appreciate you for doing that. Let's go into extreme accountability. Who, I mean, well, your GoPod is the elders, right? So David, yourself, Tim, Pat, uh, how often do you meet? and What's kind of the current discussion? Yeah, you know, with that, with the Four Amigo GoPod, we're more of a once a quarter type, maybe once a month. 
But I also am in a go pod with AJ Osborne, Alex Memka and Cooper Calloway and shout out to those guys because we meet every week uh, Wednesday. I have my call later today with them. And, you know, those are just some amazing guys. Uh, we all did a trip with our families to Stewart, Florida a few weeks back. And uh, it was great. We spent uh, a whole week at the beach together. We've got a big house and uh, our kids just got along fabulously. Our wives got along great. And we just had an amazing trip. And I highly recommend that GoPods plan maybe two trips a year together, one where you bring the families and maybe one where you do not. For me, I'll always, we'll probably always bring our families on those trips because it went so well, but it's a great idea to get together and, and have like a, one of your pod members switch off each year and host or plan a trip, you know, either to a destination vacation or maybe invite them back into your, your hometown and host them. But it's just a great way to really cement that go pod and those relationships to get to know one another. 100%. I love that. Yeah, I remember seeing the pictures from it. It looked like you guys had a great time. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up with a question from the GoBundance card game. So I, I preloaded this, but didn't tell you what it is. It I hope it's the most recent version and not the first version of those cards we had. I don't know. <laughs> well, there are some questions in here that are interesting, but I like this one, so I'll, I'll well, ask it. The- I edited them. You should have seen them before. <laughs> a, little more, a little more guy? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, some really like some... Things that make you go, hmm, I like that, that must have been really bored when he wrote this question. <laughs> I, yeah, I could, see, I could see Pat in some of these for sure. Yeah. Uh, this one's the two of spades. And the question is, if happiness was the national currency, what kind of work would make you rich? Mm. I think work, you know, I'm involved right now in a, on a board that's a, it's a new business called Divert. And their goal is to use action sports to help create diversity and inclusion and to help inspire people who haven't been inspired, you know, before and to do it through action sports. I really think like anything around boards I love, but combining giving back and social justice with with snowboarding, skateboarding and surfing, like I can't think of a better combination. So I'm excited for that. I'm an investor in that. And their goal is to really become like the top golf of action sports because they can do these wave machines. A skate park is pretty easy. And then they have these new snow hills that are like carpet uh, that people can can do. Uh, and you just set it up and, and they're going to launch a pop-up in LA for their first. It'll be in a parking lot of a mall. And uh, then they're going to try to go brick and mortar after that. But that's certainly an exciting project. And I guess, you know, pri- my, my cliche answer is really any work that involves families. You know, my wife and I wrote The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families with Hal. Fambundance is something that I get fired up and passionate about. So I would say working with families or, you know, working in a, in a, in a passion like action sports combined with giving back in, in a social justice kind of way. That, that really fuels me up, both of those ideas. That makes sense. One of these questions, I wonder, maybe you remember if you wrote this, this feels like a pat one. The question, not so much, but the statement after the question is, what's your favorite song? And then it says, sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never asked that one. I might have to ask that of somebody who seems a little bit more outgoing, not more outgoing than you, but somebody who's like, you know, willing to do something like More that. musical? Uh, yeah, you don't want to hear me sing. It wouldn't be <laughs> me either. I was going to say, that would not be my... That wouldn't be my question of choice as a guest. So, yeah, Mike, that's, how can folks 
Go I'm ahead. sorry. I was going to say that that one probably is a pat one, but it's it's not like the old ones from the old day, which had you make really tough choices that you would never face in real life. It's like, what would you do if this or this and you had to choose between these two awful things? Which right. one would you choose? It's like, dude, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Wife and kid dangling from a cliff. Who do you save? That kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. There was it's some terrible. of that in there for sure. All right. Well, Mike, if people wanted to follow you, you know, learn more about you, is there a website, uh, a social media platform you direct them to, or even something that maybe you're supporting that you want to direct them to? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm on uh, gomikemccarthy.com is my website. I don't really use it for a whole lot. I mean, if somebody wanted to get in touch with me, just emailing me at mikemccarthy at me.com would be an easy way to get in touch with me. Beautiful. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you being so open and vulnerable and giving me the, uh, the, the, I guess, the range to go deep a bit on your backstory. So I really appreciate you having me on. It's been amazing as always, and looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days here, actually. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. I appreciate everything you're doing to help grow, emerge, and ascend. That's certainly where I would have begun my GoBundance journey uh, long ago. And so it's great to see you step up and really do for those folks what I wanted to do when I became the CEO and make sure that it's there to serve others, it's amazing to watch what you've built and to see the, the outcomes and the results that you're getting with those folks, buying their first investment properties, getting promotions, paying off debt, just watching the growth that you're creating within that group is super inspiring to me. And I'm glad that we've got that connection and have you as a leader uh, with all those folks. Yeah, you're welling me up. Thank you for that. That means a lot. And it is a, an incredible passion for me to see all of those results folks are getting. So, and if anybody wants to check that out, simply go bundus.com slash emerge. You could put an emerge for a hundred dollars off of the, uh, of the program. So Mike, thanks again. Appreciate having you on and uh, yeah. Talk soon. Yeah. Thanks. The wrong tribe confounds the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. The Audible Australia, you croaky abundant sky. Well, the Aussies won't have it, but the Ecuadorians are saying... Come on, win it, go bandits! Grab life big at the Galapagos Islands and Ecuador! September 13th through September 23. We fly into Quito and immediately ship off to the Hot Springs Resort where you can put one foot in the Northern Hemisphere and one foot in the Southern Hemisphere at the same time. Selfie! Day two, we travel to the Amazon jungle, go straight into it with some epic class four whitewater rafting. That night, we stay at stunning Hamadrati Jungle Lodge. Then, we travel downriver to a remote indigenous village for our give back project. There, we'll be giving to a village of indigenous Ecuadorians who so need our help in rebuilding their community. And of course, we will be bringing hundreds of GoBundance Frisbees to teach the kids the game 
of Ultimate Frisbee. Later that day, we'll be welcomed into the same community and thankful for our efforts and we stay with the tribe. We say adios to our newfound friends and travel back upriver and onward by road from the jungle back into the mountains. This afternoon, we'll reach Banyos, a small town situated in a valley at the base of an active volcano. Then we'll head to nearby San Martin Canyon for a bunch of cool activities like zip lining, walking across a high, high, high suspension bridge, via Ferrata, whatever the hell that is, and a canopy jump into the Rio Pastraza. Sort of like 12 shots of B12 right there. Day five from Banyos, higher to the Andes towards Cota Paxi. Now, we're gonna break into two groups. Each group is gonna do something on this amazing mountain or volcano. You will have your choice. Choice one, we're gonna wake up at midnight and summit that sucker so we are there at the sunrise. Now the summit is 19,347 feet. No joke. I highly recommend you train hard for this. Be ready for this, because 19,347 is no joke. We'll have another group head to Hacienda La Aligra, a family-owned horse farm located in the panoramic volcano valley. We're gonna do some horseback riding and then do an epic mountain bike ride. You don't have to decide till you get there. It's gonna be absolutely epic either way. We'll all return to Quito. It's time for aspiring adventures, epic, amazing race. What a way to see Quito, Ecuador. Then we fly out of Quito to the Galapagos Islands. There we stay at the famous Finch Bay Eco Hotel for three nights in a row. And this afternoon, we're gonna go wander and check out some of the weird and wonderful wildlife. We're gonna do some scuba diving, snorkeling in the pristine waters of the Galapagos. Bucket list item check! Then on day 10, we are going deep sea fishing. This will be a day of epic nautical bombastia. Then we fly out of the Galapagos, refreshed, re-energized, and with a soul that is majorly fulfilled. Ecuador is bound to be one of Go Abundance's most epic international adventures yet. And I hope to see you there. Go Ecuador! Thank you for tuning in to the Go Abundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.